Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie, and this week we have our friend Brian on guesting for this one. Hey, Brian. Hello. So for our, like, one-year anniversary of this podcast, uh, because the Best Pictures Podcast is turning one year old, or, yeah, one year Ooh, old today. I need a party spinner. Um, But we wanted to do something special, so we thought it would be kind of cool if we did a movie that means something to all of us and, and a lot of people yeah and a lot of other people and that we think you know tragically has not gotten the recognition that it deserves we're doing the room it is a 2003 romantic drama written directed produced by and starring tommy Wiseau. it also stars stars greg sestero and julia danielle and it centers on the tragic love triangle between our protagonist the hardworking and loyal johnny and his fiance lisa and his best friend mark it was actually originally written as a play then adapted into a book and then finally we get the movie version which is so iconic and beloved so does that make johnny i'm sorry tommy a uh quadruple no sextuple threat I guess so. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, last bit of background before we like actually jump into our watch notes. Um, so the pictures that were nominated that year, um, which unfortunately doesn't include The Room, were uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King, which ended up winning, Lost in Translation, Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, Mystic River, and Seabiscuit. Oh, Seabiscuit. I've seen mm. two, two of them and parts of a third. I've seen, I think, two or three of them, which is like a record well, that's because for me. <laughs> I think I've seen most of those. Yeah, I was going to say Brian's probably seen most of them out of all of us. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about The Room and kind of, do we want to go around and say like why we think it should be included on that list? Yeah, so I think really this movie dealt with some very challenging themes surrounding like the relationship of the sexes and the way it examined it through a very tight-knit cast in a small set I think really meant that we were able to like enjoy and get focused on some of these actors' performances. I mean, it's 100% character study. Exactly. Which I know you're not always a fan of. Ian, I mean, I think this one worked. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, for that, but I do was... you get some action. There's a couple fight scenes. There are. So. Um, and they weave in some other, like, secondary stories that I think were pretty effective at moving the plot forward overall. And I will say, like, in all seriousness, the the score, like, from time to time, like, had some really effective moves in the, in the play. So... Um, called it a play. It's not a play. It's a movie. But um, yeah, so I think, you know, solid. Well, you know, really to tie that all together, um, what I really love about this is that it brings a genre to the screen, to the silver screen that we don't normally see. And one of my favorites, really from the cinematography, the music, it really captures that mid-90s daytime soap opera. Right. No, I 100% agree. It is It is that genre. For sure, even though it was in 2003. Well, I mean, hey, the early 2000s were basically the 90s. So. I mean, I will have to say, though, in a lot of ways, the only way that I think you can tell that the movie is in the early 2000s and not the 90s is Lisa's uh, outfits. Her fashion's very 2000s, but most everything else is, it feels very 90s. It does. Like you were mm -hmm. saying, which is kind of like a cool throwback. It's a time and capsule. I mean, you know, it touches on very universal themes like, you know, friendship and relationships and kind of where those two intersect and i mean it's kind of tale as old as time love triangle it's a very basic thing i mean it's popped up in so many of our movies like casablanca and you know some of the greats so like this is there with it 
I'm like, you, you, you can't Rookie. mention. <laughs> as soon as you mentioned Casablanca, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> we can't do this anymore. This is April okay. Fool's. Okay. So yes, our one year anniversary is on April Fool's. So we did think it would be really fun to like talk about a movie that is by and large known as the worst movie of all time, but that we all genuinely the, love. Also, thank you, Maggie, because I have been trying so hard not to just crack up this whole time. As soon, as soon as you mentioned Casablanca in the same sentence, I, I about died. Ian almost died, um, which is ironic because you rated Casablanca so low. Um, never never letting that go. Top 10%. Never letting that go. <laughs> but yeah, I, this movie, like I think we all, it's safe to say we all genuinely find it fascinating. Oh, of course. And like, Brian, can you talk about how you discovered this movie? Because you're the one who introduced it to Ian and I. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I just, I first watched this, you know, several years back, so many years ago, back in high school. And it was just something that as stupid high school kids do watch bad movies, stay up all night. And, uh, before I, I think even before it really became the cult hit that it is now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, uh, so I was on that leading edge and I've been able to, I've been so happy to be able to share it with uh, so many people, <laughs> including both of you. Because I, I still remember the first time we watched it. it was It was at a party at Ian and Brian's now fiance's apartment. And we were like all just like drinking and watching movies. And I don't know how it came up, but somebody started talking about the room. And Brian, as Brian always does in those situations, sneakily puts it on the TV. <laughs> and I remember like the beginning of it just being like, I don't understand what I'm watching. Well, I mean, one example in less than 30 minutes, you have three sex scenes that are multiple minutes each. One of which um, is basically so the same sex scene. I, I have some played. statistics for you on that. Oh, yes. Perfect. Um, so eight eight minutes into the movie, 40% of it has been sex scenes. Ah, uh, yes. 20 minutes into the movie, still 40%. <laughs> now, when you get to 30 minutes in the movie, it does drop down to about 30%. And uh, then we're done with sex scenes for the most part. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, there's one close to the end that I had completely forgotten about oh, yeah. because they're not good sex scenes. So I just I, feel bad for Lisa's stomach. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about it that. Was, it was one of those things where I was just like, you just have to get through these because if I'm being honest, this is the first time I've watched this movie by myself and sober. I, I was not 100% sober, but I had only had I was like sipping on one drink through the whole film, which so, isn't enough, um, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my my usual way to watch this movie is already be a couple of drinks in and <laughs> fall asleep about halfway through, <laughs> and I made it all the way through. And it was well, and like I've never and actually paying attention. It was yeah, it was very weird. weird. <laughs> I've never I've never watched it so closely, and there was definitely things, especially towards the end, that I was like, I have never noticed this before. Like. The ambulance noises at the very end. I was like, yeah. wait, what? Just had never noticed. But actually paying attention to it, it has some redeeming qualities. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Also paying attention to it even more, it has many more flaws than I was originally aware yes. of. I, my favorite way to describe this film, and so I'll do this, and then we can try and go through it a little bit chronologically, yeah. but it's rough. It's it, rough. Well, As chronologically as the movie actually is. Yeah. Yeah, which is one of my biggest notes is I'm like, I have no idea over what time period this story takes place. It's somewhere between zero and one month. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But I always like to describe this movie as it's not a bad movie. It is a movie where 
every single choice made wasn't the wrong choice, but the exact opposite of the right choice. <laughs> like it's it's just nonsense, but in like the most delicious way. It really is. It's nice to see like train wrecks from time to time. Yes, it's not, also not literal train wrecks. I mean this right, metaphorically. Right. Just yeah, to clarify. But <laughs> it is also one of my. I love watching this movie with someone who's never seen it before. Their because reactions. I love watching their reactions. It's the closest thing you can get to like rewatching it again for the first time, which is an experience. Oh, it absolutely mm-hmm. is. So I guess what do we want to go into to watch notes? Yeah, let's go yeah. into watch notes. Okay. So I would love to kick it off with the beginning like the title credits. So oh, of course. one, deliciously there are two Weezo film splash screens. One <laughs> is super fancy Terminator style. And the other is like early 90s, early age of computer graphics style. So I think this really sets the stage for the entire film. Well, and <laughs> High it, budget, low quality. It seems it, uh, <laughs> they spent about $6 million on production and marketing for this. Yeah, which is um, insane. And I think that having the like two logos, two splash screens really is indicative of a inability to make decisions because they actually filmed it at the same time on both 35 millimeter and high definition. I could tell when and, they switched. And apparatus <laughs> with, well, only 35 millimeter was used in the final oh, cut. Oh, really? Oh, so they but were just But they filmed at it at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was like in an apparatus so that the cameras were side by side, which is why all of the framing's just a touch off. Sometimes it's more than a touch off, I think, but. It's why all of the framing is at least a touch off. <laughs> there you go. I like that better. <laughs> But then they go into this wonderful set of establishing shots where they have this fade in and fade out situation from the like the name cards and to it's just these like scenes. Shots of San Francisco. But the thing is, the shots are too short on San Francisco by like literally half a beat. So it's like they'll pan to something and then immediately fade. And I'm like, yes, the wrong decision every time. And my favorite note here is they do the like fade in, fade out, and then all of a sudden, now we pan. <laughs> And so they start panning and panning and panning, okay. and then they pan into this the room. This is where I want to bring up the score. <laughs> yeah, because... do it. Just, I, I think just to to quickly jump off, uh, something I'd like to make a note of. We open with shots of San Francisco, and we never go five minutes without them reminding us that this is set in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. There's... Even though it does not matter. It, yeah, it doesn't matter at all. And there are literally just like random interstitial shots of like San Francisco landmarks that you're like, why? Again. It's between every other scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the soap opera style. You got to like fill the dead air. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, equating it to a soap opera actually honestly like makes, it makes so much, makes so much sense. Um, it's, it even looks like a soap opera. It does. It does. And it's paced like one and the dialogue is so like soap opera and the acting does the like weird, super fast crescendos the way soap operas do. <laughs> um, this is making me want to watch more soap operas, honestly, but I want to talk a little bit about score because the score is honestly pretty good. I would say that Especially I'm not a that fan opening, of it, but it's I will effective. say, so I really like the main theme, which is what's over the whole title sequence mm-hmm. and it comes up like multiple times in the film. So I actually really like that theme. The Mm -hmm. rest of it, like they use it effectively. It comes in at the right moments. Like it's nice. It's very heavily string and piano based, Mm -hmm. which I like with a MIDI like clarinet in there for flavor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will try and say the, uh, author of the score's name, but, um, I'm probably doing it wrong. That's 
the right choice for this film, Maggie. Thank you. Um, it's <laughs> Mladen Milicevic or Vich, one of the two. But anyway, he was like a music professor, I think, at a it's probably a uh, Milicevic. Milicevic, yes, that one. Brian's now in charge of pronunciation. <laughs> I'm okay with this. But no, yeah, I, I totally agree with and that. The entire soundtrack is original. Oh, yeah, and you were telling so, us this. Yeah, so, you know, mo- most of it is the strings, but we'll, yeah, those we'll, get, five, we'll get into it. Those but five there's a, R&B jams There's a couple R&B up. jams, and... They pop up just for the know, sex scenes. All original. <laughs> um, and see, this is the sort of thing that makes this film even more impressive, is they went... Like, they didn't have to go this hard, but they did anyway. Well, I'm, I wonder <laughs> if that's cheaper than getting the rights yeah to to songs but like i'm here for it diy that shit like i love it (laughs) it's in keeping with the themes of the movie it is it really is (laughs) so we have that establishing shot and then all of a sudden we get introduced well before we move on are we good to move on yeah i'm down the line Mm -hmm. so we get introduced with to lisa and johnny and the room where most of this is going to take place. Because it really takes place. There's a couple outdoor scenes and one lovely scene in a flower shop that we will dissect in depth. Oh my God. I totally forgot about one of the outdoor scenes too. Um, but most of it takes place in like Lisa and Johnny's apartment mm-hmm. in like their living room and their bedroom. It's a really like, okay, it's dated. But for San Francisco, that shit's got to be expensive. That's all I'm saying. I just Johnny makes good money. He does. He does. He's a successful businessman. This is why they need, he needs to get that promotion mm-hmm. at the bank. Ian. <laughs> well, too bad he doesn't. Anyway, I mean, Lisa's um, not pulling in anything because computers are just too competitive. <laughs> well, and poor Lisa probably doesn't know enough to do computers because she's just centered I, on getting as much as she can. We don't know what she does with computers, <laughs> but she we meets with clients. That apparently, that is something I just noticed. When she I'm was, thinking she's mm-hmm. in sales, but. I'm doing that thing that I tend to do for this movie because there's a lot of plot holes where I just start <laughs> filling in shit for myself in order to try and oh, make yeah. it make sense. Um, but in this introduction, I have to say, I've never seen costumes fight a set so much as they do in this movie because oh, this room is completely red. And I, 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 I think I understand why you would make that choice. <laughs> she said tentatively (laughs) (laughs) because like there's a lot of dramatic shit going on red's also a very romantic color all of that but the color palette for the costumes in this film are blue like bright blue black and red so people are either like in really jarring contrast with the bright blue or they're blending in with the red like particularly there's the red dress johnny buys lisa and it she like kind of comes down these like weird spiral stairs in what i think is supposed to be like one of those like oh my god how beautiful moments but it's like she's blending into the wall moments or black and we know that we don't like red and black here no no (laughs) go jackets (laughs) to hell with georgia anyway um i completely agree with that and i like I, i think part of the red like to maybe explain it i love that we're trying to find logic well hey it gives you really good opportunity to like leverage some lighting which i think there was a couple scenes there where it seemed deliberate overblown but still it was like okay i saw what i think you were trying to do there but again i don't know if you were actually trying to do that so anyway i guess we keep getting really distracted so (laughs) it's hard not to (laughs) performance wise i think um the big thing that i had going into it with lisa specifically 
the hungry look on her face made me think she was a cannibal and was like literally going to eat Johnny. And I'm like, this is I don't really know, like, The way her character's written, though, that feels appropriate. And honestly, Julia Danielle, who played Lisa, like I didn't mind her performance. I think the issues are all script based because the dialogue's terrible. So no one's coming off looking good in no. this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so laugh. Okay. Oh. God, that Tommy laugh was so good. Um but like the way like Lisa's character will just go from like I hate Johnny. Like, I'm not in love with him anymore. I'm going to do whatever I want to do and get what I want. And I don't care. Like, completely amoral to, like, Johnny's a really good guy. Like, he does all this stuff. And, like... Are you sure you're not conflating Lisa and Lisa's mother? No. No. She legit (laughs) will spin like that. And, like, she, like, explains the whole, like, Johnny's a really good guy. He's, like, taking care of this weird kid, Denny. And who we we can talk for ages about Denny. But... Got an Oedipal complex going on There's some weird... He shows up in the first scene. Yeah. Oh my God, he does. Yeah. I forgot. That. I like, forget so much about this movie, and he's immediately creepy. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but it's like she, and then she's like talking about like what a good guy Johnny is, like taking care of him like that, and then she'll like there's just there's no consistency of motivation. I like kind of would rather if this film focused on like Lisa's insanity, and then we could see Ooh, her. We could like, have like some yellow wallpaper shit going on. So good, hmm. but um. But so I don't think I don't think that's the actress's fault. I mean, honestly, I don't know how much we can blame on any of the actors in this. Really, no. But um, so very quickly, it's like established that Johnny's a great guy. He brings Lisa a dress, which Maggie mentioned, and of course, we lead into the very first sex scene again. And this is where Denny well, shows. I, I think there, there's a few notes first. Of, oh yeah, sorry. Well, I mean, so I mean, Denny comes in. He's this kid that Johnny's been taking care of. He's in and college, apparently. I believe so. I think so. And we we get some uh, some immediately establishing of Johnny gives Lisa this this red dress as a gift, and of course, Danny comes in, and then they say, "Okay, go away, Danny. We're going to go upstairs." Of course, he wants to come join. They tell him no, and he follows them upstairs, anyways. Yeah. After like weirdly like weirdly eating an apple, which like I like I don't know why, but I was like the way he's eating that apple is making me really uncomfortable. It's the same way that Lisa looked at Johnny with like I'm gonna eat you. It's the same feeling it's, that I got. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and it's weird because like they're like, oh, Denny's in college, and like the actor playing him's like not super young, but you're like, this is the kind of behavior like an eight year old. Yeah, like, he also is like dressed and acts like an eight year old. So two's company, three's a crowd line gets thrown out. And then we get the first sex scene, which let me tell you. So uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable. And like my notes for this are like. Even watching it like by myself alone in my apartment. I was like. I I, had shame. I I felt like I was (laughs) like, I need to break eye contact with something. Like I can't. (laughs) I can't watch this. But I love this. So like my notes for this are like, yes, slow fades and dancing and wispy drapes and candles and one boob, just one boob. I love also those candles and they have them in the living room too. Mm -hmm. They're like usually red, but they're like the long, like creepy Victorian horror candles in like these like weird candelabras. And there's that one shot through like, water from like some sort of weird water because it's raining that outside must... oh is it supposed, yeah, to be it's supposed to be the window i was like is there a weird water fixture in their <laughs> bedroom <laughs> no it, it was great and i love tommy's lumpy butt <laughs> and his constant laughing <laughs> what i what i had never noticed before so there's there's a very obvious just 
moaning over the scene, but just interspersed with <laughs> just just Tommy laughing throughout all the sex scenes. It's great. It's so great. I felt so bad for the actress playing Lisa. Oh my god. What a champ. Yeah, well, and I've have both of you seen the disaster artist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we all went and saw it together. I didn't go with you. I was <laughs> we, like out of town like Brian normal. and I went and saw it. I guess we didn't invite Ian. <laughs> no, I think I was like out of town or something. Anyway. Which I that's what I'm telling myself. So I don't Yeah, feel if you're like a fan that, of the no. room and you haven't seen the disaster artist, go highly see recommend it. it. Yeah. So don't know how much of a documentary it was, but it sounds like filming these sex scenes was fairly contentious. Um and like super awkward for that actress. So props. Yeah, what, for putting a, up with that. What a champ. Yeah. What a professional. Moving on from the sex scene. Yeah. Like, again, what, there's no we more can, one thing, move on from One the... thing I have to uh, to note is, you know, the sex scene finishes and then we have scene wipe into the next morning. And then we just get a shot of Johnny's ass for 20 seconds. Again. And then, and then he says, I need to leave. And then it's just a new scene. I have to say, I think we might discover in that like morning after shot. Lisa's motivation for hating Johnny. She seems really pissed that he like doesn't want to cuddle. Well, that's fair. Also, Maggie, guess what? He has to go to work. Yeah. Uh, you're right. You're right. The money. bank. He's got to go to the bank. He's got to provide for Lisa. Promotion. Get that promotion that he was promised after three months. And I was like, but Johnny, also, it's been three months. Maggie. Calm Maggie, down. Maggie. What? Butts. <laughs> we have another butts. We haven't had butts in so long because the Hayes Code <laughs> forbade them. So, yeah. Brian, to let you in on it, there were lots of butts in the early Oscar Best Picture winners. Yeah, we were and like, so... for a while there, it was like every other Best Picture winner, we got like a butt shot. No butt shots. And then we got Hayes Code and no <laughs> more butts. I don't even think Die Hard or um, Young Frankenstein or Frankenstein had butt shots. Die Hard didn't. Oh, I'm so excited. But Is that a weird Ian, thing to be excited about? <laughs> let, let me correct. Let, let me let me give you a little correction here. You said butts. Oh, we saw butt, but and <laughs> just the that, one butt. That is the multiple only butt times. we see. But that is the only times, butt we see this movie. We did see it multiple times. <laughs> His weird some, lumpy butt. Some might say too many times. Oh my god! Oh my god! So next morning, as Brian said, we just like get a random new scene, and I think my note here was like, "Whoa, that was a fast transition." So we're just there, and. Can we just like dissect some of Lisa's lines in this scene? Because we have um, best friend. Is it, her mom comes Claudette. over first, right? It's her mom, Claudette. Yep. Oh, her her mom's first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, see, it's hard because I'm, it's a thank lot you of for just setting me people straight. come Which, as Claudette says. People I come be, in and out of that house like it's a train station. It's a revolving station. door. I'm amazed, but I love Claudette. I don't know if you two love Claudette. Yes, but... her ideas of relationships. <laughs> are very flawed because but her, so practical her whole thing is like because lisa tells her she's like i don't love johnny in her anymore and her mom's like that's ridiculous he wants to buy you a house and it's like those two things not necessarily connected claudette hey some people maybe they are because remember we're talking about here maggie how women are just gold digging jerks oh that there's are a around. line later that i really want to talk about or that we really really need to talk about that classifies the three types of women oh my god um but i will just say claudette as a character i love because one actress kills it two we get more detail about claudette's life than any other character yeah she has a gold digging Mm -hmm. brother has multiple husbands has a house that's worth yeah like just throws that out there casually yep i have breast cancer and and we're like never comes back never 
but like i yeah that all of because this movie a lot of the time so much of the dialogue is just meaningless empty dialogue that moves forward zero story and gives you no idea of any character also the characters particularly johnny just speak in idioms and in a way that you're like i'm not sure the person who wrote this understood the actual use of that idiom and when you string so many idioms together it's like this is it's gibberish. word soup exactly I love it <laughs> but you periodically get these like mini monologues that are like hyper detailed most of them from claudette but there's like a couple from other characters but they're just like insanely detailed mm -hmm. so it was um the other one that i remember the hyper detailed one was that one story that the okay so there's the couple that comes over just to have sex in johnny's apartment which yeah, weird like, as hell i guess lisa's mm -hmm. friend michelle and michelle, her boyfriend yes mike. so mike is telling the story right before they play football in an alley somewhere randomly which again throwaway scene but he tells this story which again, I'm like, oh, this is pretty offensive about this woman who, like, is it she cheats and gets beaten no, up and sent to the um, hospital? That's Mark tells, tells that, story. that story. Mark tells yep, that story. Mark, Mark tells Mike that did. story on the rooftop. Uh, Mike rehashes the incident with the underwear where he like accidentally <gasps> oh, leaves his boxers yeah. there and Claudette finds them. So not but only did like, they show us, they also told us. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's no reason for him to be rehashing this story to anyone. Also, like Michelle serves a function in the story. Mike serves zero function in the story. Oh, their sex scene is great though with the chocolates. And he has that, um, the most exaggerated facial expressions anytime we see him. <laughs> yes. And it's yeah. all it's all I can think about watching it. his character. <laughs> yeah. So jumping back to the scene where we get the introduction to Mark and Lisa's affair, I just want to say, one, the sound designers did not have to go this hard, but they did. <laughs> And I love it. So like when she's pouring the wine, it's like, oh, we hear the wine going. We hear the rustling of her undoing her blouse. Like, I'm like, okay, okay. Also, I see you. Talk about there's a line where she's on the phone with Mark, and I think it's right before he like comes over and stuff, but she says, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. What do you think I should do? <laughs> It just cracks me up. Oh my god. I love how this episode is a mess just like the movie. I <laughs> mean, you're like is there any around. way for it not to be? <laughs> during, during that same There's phone not. call, we get a... Uh, Lisa says, we'll talk about it now. I can't wait until later. And Mark's previously, like, okay. uh, Mark had been saying, oh, let's let's not talk about this. I'm, I'm worried about Johnny. He's my best friend. Lisa says, you know, we're talking about this now. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, Mark says a lot that Johnny's his best friend, but I'm starting to think that maybe, like, Mark's not Johnny's best friend. I just, I'm Maggie, just saying. that is I a question, controversial I'm, opinion. You know what? The, one of the themes of this movie is friendship. What is friendship? Is it just saying you're someone's best friend? Yeah, or obviously. Or is it sleeping with their, not fiance, but future wife? Or they never say fiance. They only say future wife oh, or future right. husband. And, or, yes, I meant or, is it actually showing up and being there and being a true friend and like keeping your friend's secrets, but also trying to be their moral compass the way Michelle is. So I think Michelle is actually like the true beacon of friendship in this movie. Whereas Mark is like, this is, you can talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk, Mark. And this has been Friendship, a thesis by Maggie. <laughs> So, okay. So we get sex scene number two. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. On the stairs, which, which looks really uncomfortable. Which, just going into it, again, I we just... have more resistance from Mark. And then Lisa just walks over and pulls him out of the chair. And there they go. He's just like, okay. 
He those... says multiple times that like we can't do this anymore, and then like they like open Two mouth kiss later. before he leaves. I just I I I can't. I love the stair shot though because. Again, one, all of those treads are going to cut into all of your body where you don't want them cutting into your body. It looks so, so uncomfortable. No great. But they were like, ooh, we can do cool through the uh, like ba- banister shots of this. So also, let's like they're do wood it. stairs. They're not carpeted stairs even. No, again, they're going to like hurt themselves and fall down this damn staircase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's delicious. I freaking love also, it. Also, I think just like jumping back to when Lisa like dismisses her mom, I think that's one of those things where like, and this happens a lot particularly with Lisa, but it happens with some other characters too, where they'll like start a conversation or insist on talking to someone about something immediately. But then they're just like, I don't want to talk about it or don't worry about it. Lisa mm-hmm. never wants to talk about she anything never, she except starts, when she says she wants to talk about it. Yes. But then, you know, she only wants to talk about it for like a split second and gives you like no actual tangible detail. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that though. Apparently it's an effective way to like shut down conversations. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. So, It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So after that sex scene, we get some more of these themes about how women are temptresses and Mark is just a pawn in Lisa's game. Why did you do this to me? And I'm like, yeah, obviously Mark is, he Mark did is it never in full, at yeah, fault, ever, according no, to ever. Mark. So again, beautiful themes on relationships and love triangles right here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm being sarcastic. Tommy Wiseau, feminist that. icon? <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I just want to know what person hurt him so much that he felt the need to write such a disparaging movie about women. (laughs) Clearly somebody, something happened that he was like, I bought her all this stuff and like did everything I was quote supposed to do. And she like still left me or like didn't love me or something. There's got to be a backstory there. I mean, everything it's, it is not well written, but (laughs) Johnny as a person is a great guy. And Lisa's just terrible. Lisa's just terrible. She is. And, and and Mark is not culpable for anything. Obviously not. He can't be. He's Johnny's the best friend. best friend. So anyway, now we get the beautiful flower shop scene. The best scene in the movie. It and one of the shortest the scenes in the movie. It they is. really should have milked this scene a little bit Amazing. more. So, no, it's flawless as it is. Oh my God. It's almost as if just the scene is just played back at faster speed than it was it filmed. really is it really is it, it does go like weirdly fast but i love it because it's the rapid fire dialogue that i have come to expect from it's this that, movie you know it's that witty 1930s style banter <laughs> oh maggie you're full of jokes today i love it <laughs> even say it without chuckling some some notes i picked up on so that i never noticed before johnny comes in to pick up roses mm-hmm. for lisa mm-hmm. and when he walks in he asks for a dozen roses and then right then we have, it seems like he had ordered ahead of time. And there's this incongru this <laughs> in- incongruity between, it's like, is he walking in there and ordering, uh, picking, picking something up or did he, you know, did he call earlier? And, you know, maybe it was a mistake and he did call earlier because like the woman clearly didn't recognize him. So maybe she was like a little confused because she goes, Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't recognize you. And then as he leaves, she's like, you're my favorite customer. But then why is he coming in asking not for his order, but for I just like a dozen roses? It's that is true. a mystery. That is true. Also, just going to say, like, I think I don't know if there are like multiple Johnnies out there because I mean, for all we know, he's got a be. very distinctive look. <laughs> my favorite of which was the oversized 90s style blazer with the white cargo pants. Thank you. Loved it. P 
people should bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) So also in that scene, we're talking about this rapid fire dialogue. So it's like a dozen Rosen, please. Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't recognize you. Here you go. Thank you. Here's $20. Hi, doggy. Hi, doggy is my favorite line from this whole movie. (laughs) Just pets this little pug that's just hanging out there for zero reason. It's like the the secret (laughs) greeting between the room fans. (laughs) Oh, hi, doggy. Oh, hi, doggy. (laughs) But I, I did time it. The... The cut from out parking outside the store to him pulling away, the the cut's 45 seconds. <gasps> that is like the most efficient shopping trip that I've ever seen, and it makes me so happy. I know. I wish I could do shopping that fast. I had to go get a vacuum cleaner this morning. Did not take me 45 seconds. <laughs> well, you know. There's a lot of wondering around Target being like, where are the vacuum cleaners? See, Shouldn't they be in home goods? Why are they not in home goods? Could they be in technology? And me just not wanting to ask anybody. <laughs> so, see, that was your fault for going into Target instead of the flower shop on the corner. Oh, you're right. That's where you should get your vacuum, the flower mm-hmm. shop. Clearly. <laughs> I'd like a vacuum and a dozen roses. But I think this scene also, we see a similar one in the coffee shop scene between Mark, where this one I love because- This scene is longer. The coffee shop scene later is longer than it needs to be because literally we spend forever just listening to people order. Four Mm -hmm. random people taking, like getting orders, one of whom is on the phone, rude. (laughs) And they're like, okay, here you go. And then Johnny and Mark- order and it's like oh hey there you're my favorite customer johnny's everybody's favorite customer <laughs> he's, every, he's such a great guy he's just such you want to date guy. him don't you maggie mm, no <laughs> <laughs> um so i think they handle these scenes like in a very consistent if bizarre way where it's like we get all of this like oh it's supposed to be happening in real life and we're going to show you and bang you over the head with it being real life so i it's, don't know it's a weird concept and i'm i might be okay with the actual concept i don't know i don't know how i feel about it it's hard because like the dialogue is so bad and everything's so stilted so i'm like (laughs) i don't know if i actually am okay with like the general concept and just have trouble with the execution or is it the concept that bothers me i don't know come back to me on that at some point i mean it can be both true (laughs) so why not both anyway um so moving a little bit further through the plot, like I think the one scene that again, I presume is supposed to be like the turning point in Johnny's life is when he doesn't get the promotion and they start like going hard, just the two of on them the drinking mm-hmm. on the scotchka, which as Brian which we pointed tried out earlier, before recording this, oh I'm God. just going to say, um, don't I would get recommend. just as fucked up as I, they did. I don't <laughs> think I could ever get to the point of drinking enough of it to get that fucked up because it was not great well but johnny loved it remember it was like this is good and lisa's like i'm right right yeah because lisa's always right obviously i mean she knows what she's doing that manipulative bitch but before that we see denny again for about 30 seconds oh yeah he comes in to talk to johnny and then he's like i need to talk to him and she's like well he'll be home soon he's like never mind i can't wait like i I can wait. I can wait. It's oh, and he comes in for some like butter and flour and sugar. Oh yeah, and Claudette's like, "Don't you have your own kitchen?" Because <laughs> obviously, a kitchen means that you'll have all of the baking necessities in it. Yeah, but I, I think kind of, I guess if we can, let's talk about the next, I guess, major plot point, which would be so like after they get drunk, which seems to be like Lisa's plan was to get Johnny drunk because she more tells. Sex. Well, but then she tells her <laughs> With mom. With reused footage. Oh, yes, yeah. It's it's a recycled sex scene. That's how you know it's a. Well, not all of good, it is. It was clearly shot at the same time, though. Oh, of course. It's like clearly they shot a bunch of material <laughs> and then just used it into two sex scenes it's and glorious. repeated some of the footage. Um, 
but uh, Lisa tells her mom that Johnny hit her, which I guess is Lisa's idea of how she's going to end the relationship. I don't understand her motivation or logic. Um, well, she's obviously got to slander the hell out of Johnny so that she can get out of the relationship in a way that saves face for her. Okay, I think again we're filling in plot holes in character where there is none, but okay. Um, well, actually, I think it's an it. effective characterization of how shitty a person she's supposed to be. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and, but- and we come back to uh, as as soon as she tells this, Claudette, her mom starts asking her all sorts of questions, and we just get, I don't want to talk about this. Go away. Well, can we talk about though how Claudette's reaction to somebody having hit her daughter is? So much less than her reaction when Lisa says she wants to break up with Johnny and doesn't want to marry him anymore. She's like, you can't do that. He's bought you all this he stuff. He provides for you. And I'm like, okay, that bit aside, your daughter also was just like, my fiance hit me. I lo- I did have a note there where it's like, Claudette just glossed over that yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. We just never revisited it. Yeah, she's it. like, you'll talk about this and it'll be fine. And I'm like, that's not the right response to this. The, no one in this movie reacts to anything in the way you would expect an actual human being to react to stuff. <laughs> when even Michelle later, she tells Michelle that Johnny hit her. Michelle's like, what? Are you okay? And I was like, finally, somebody asking the right questions. And then she's like, I think I'm going to leave him. And Michelle's like, What? <laughs> Oh I was like, gosh. we're focusing on the wrong stuff here. Again, Michelle is the pinnacle of friendship in this film, as per Maggie's earlier she's thesis. The, she's the best friend in this film, but she's not a particularly <laughs> good friend. No. Oh, it's it, it's amazing. But that's when we get the nugget about Lisa meeting with a client who is Mark. Um, but also, what does Lisa do? In computers. I'm assuming sales because she had to meet with a client. She's in computers. And according to Johnny, computers are too competitive. I'm going with sales. Okay. We're going to play career bingo and see which one we land on. <laughs> and and you you say she was meeting with Mark, but I think that's just completely ir- irrelevant. She doesn't actually say anything about Mark here. I think she's just trying to I think to you're leave. trying to fill in plot points. Oh, sorry. My, but we do, my wild mind. At least the next notes I have, some more stuff could have happened between this, is when Mark we get Mark's thesis on women on top of the rooftop. Oh he's talking God, to Johnny. Scene. And this is also where he tells that story about the girl who was cheating and like got really badly beat up and like hospitalized and Johnny laughs and is like what a story mark and you're like that's not the human literally my note is oh god <laughs> but mark says this line and i think we need to talk about it he says women are either too smart flat out stupid or evil that's a fun triangle what what bucket do you think the three of us fit in cuz we're going to pretend you two are women for a minute well, Maggie, I think you're too smart and evil. No, so here's the thing. No, I can only be one, Ian. I, women can only be one then thing. Then I'm going to call you evil. I think I'm evil <laughs> if we're going by that criteria because I don't think I'm too smart. I think I'm a good amount of smart, but I don't think I'm too smart. But if I'm smart, a good amount of smart, that means I'm not stupid. So the only one that's left is evil. So I think I have to be evil. <laughs> Ian, what do we think you are? I'm going to go with not evil. I think Brian's too smart because he's the phd <laughs> okay well, pretty mean, reductive so that i mean <laughs> did you did you just hear the criteria brian you just used reductive obviously you're too <laughs> we're smart. talking about the room's views on women it's reductive that means ian has to be flat out stupid i'm, I'm okay with this i can play dumb <laughs> play dumb 
Oh my God. Uh, I'll take <laughs> I mean, it. I'm evil. I have to say these things. You're very true. You're you're true to your characters. But yeah, but we also get yeah. this like weird confrontation with Johnny and Lisa where he's like, I didn't hit you, immediately shoves her. It's fine. He's oh, we also a good get person, the, I remember? did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. I did not oh, hit hi, her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> that was perfect. So good. Um, but we did really just gloss over a very important plot point with Denny. Honestly, <laughs> I think it was the best acted scene in the entire movie. Oh, Agreed. does that happen here? It happens before oh, the, Chris the story. Scene? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So we skipped it. We learn. Oh, my God. <laughs> This whole sequence. Honestly, it filming, doesn't matter if we talk about this chronologically or not. It really there's doesn't. There's really only one linear story thread in this, and that is the Lisa Johnny relationship. And even that's a little wonky. And then there's just random side stories that get yeah. thrown in whenever. This is the glorious side story where we learn that Denny apparently has bought drugs from a like random dude who now has pulled a gun who's on named, him. Who's named Chris R. <laughs> there's no other Chris in this movie. We should call him Chris P. Chris, um, Chris R. <laughs> so, like a, like Maggie said, I agree that this was probably one of the most reasonably acted. Brian said that I did not. Oh, 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 Brian did. Okay. I think well, it's the best performance it. in the movie. It's also I think, clearly. Yeah. Chris R. gives the best performance oh, because yeah. it was the simplest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was, yes. I'm angry. I want my money. The emotional, have a gun. The emotional build was understandable. Exactly. Like, <laughs> But then we get this glorious scene this where all, all of a sudden... This was all very clearly shot on green screen. Oh, yeah. For some bizarre reason. It was great. Well, you can't spend budget on getting a rooftop. Come on, Maggie. But you can spend budget on a green screen? Obviously. <laughs> but I really loved how all of a sudden, like, oh, Mark and well, Johnny okay, are there. At least with Mark and Johnny, you get to see them open the door and run onto the roof. At one point, it just suddenly cuts, and Lisa and her mom are there. Being oh like, my god! What's going on? And can on? we talk about how this that shot is just wrong in terms of composition? Like it cuts off their legs at the wrong point and is like at just the wrong level. Why were we of zoom. on people's legs? Well, no, as in like the framing of the shot. Like, yeah, why was the framing of the shot framed on people's legs? It wasn't. It was. Oh. Just, it cut their legs at like oh. the worst part. Gotcha. So like where they were within this was just like. Complete and utter shit, and I'm so here for it because it was so bad. It was so good. It's maybe my favorite scene in the movie, and honestly. They continue this pattern of like exactly wrong close ups through this entire scene where it's like cutting back and forth between Claudette and Lisa, where it's like they're not quite on like a hot spot in a third. They're just like slightly off, and it cuts off like part of their also, head and their hair. I don't. And oh, it's amazing was it clear if denny was using the drugs or selling them um it was not i have an actual note here of I think he was la selling. so later in the movie mark is smoking pot <gasps> you think denny's <gasps> his dealer maybe Ooh, i had never picked up on forums like, because denny never tells what kind of drugs even though lisa asks him repeatedly and then because it doesn't at matter. one point he says doesn't he needed the money so i think I think you're right. I think Denny is Mark's dealer. You know, for a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old's <laughs> body, that's some, like, tough shit. You know what? Denny's an entrepreneur, <laughs> man. Well, hey, more power to you, except do better. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then also I love the whole time where Claudette's asking questions and Lisa's like, go away, Mom. Denny's with me and Johnny. Like, go away. And then Claudette almost socks Denny because Denny tells her – he, like, says something where he's like, leave me alone and says something kind of mean and Claudette like goes to 
sock him. Which <laughs> I'm is like, go hilarious. Claudette. This is why I love Claudette because she doesn't give a shit. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> dark bit of plot. I'm gonna fill in. Maybe that's why Claudette is not so upset that Johnny hit Lisa. Maybe Claudette was an abusive mom. Hey, She's gonna fill in. You that heard bit it here first on the Best Pictures podcast. <laughs> oh, now I feel bad about filling in that bit of plot. But they don't give me any plot, so I have to fill in the gaps myself with the little breadcrumbs that are sprinkled through this atrocious dialogue. Well, you're evil, so of course you take the most evil approach. <laughs> I can't help it, Ian. I'm evil. That's all I am. <laughs> so I. It, not clear to me. We do get some like really great lines about Lisa. You're tearing me apart. This is the scene where. Oh, I actually they... have a note on that line. Uh huh. So, and I'm not sure who said that these were the influences of the film because I couldn't find like who actually said them. But it has been influences, influences that have been attributed to the film, and to specifically like we so or is it why so? I don't know. One of the two. Tommy. Anyway, to- uh, yeah, Tommy. <laughs> Not Johnny. <laughs> I, they're too close and it bothers me. Um, was like Marlon Brando, Clint Eastwood, James Dean, and specifically James Dean's movie Rebel Without a Cause. And there is a line in that movie delivered in a very similar fashion that is James Dean saying, you're tearing me apart. So that is very clearly like lifted from there. So really what we're saying is this is a highbrow reinterpretation of some classic film literature. Absolutely. Hey, the love triangle is very Shakespearean. Fight me on it. We just did Hamlet. There are parallels. I might watch this over Hamlet. (laughs) In fact, I will watch this over Hamlet. I've definitely watched this more times than I have watched Hamlet and will likely continue to watch this. Oh, Lawrence, you self important. It's fine. We're not on that episode. We did it. We left it behind us. I'm I'm still scandalized by it. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Brian. The. uh, Lawrence Olivier Hamlet is so self-indulgent. There's also Oedipal complexes like in that. This movie is also self-indulgent. I love I it. I have to say, though, I one of the things I love about this movie... Actually, you know what? I'll save that for the end. Okay, cool. Because tearing me apart... Then we get the scene in the alley where it's they like... They play football. They do. We're introduced to the and, character Peter at some point, who's well, like their friend and psychologist. Give me a minute there. So before the oh. Peter thing, I'm just like, they're in this alley. They're throwing balls around. And I'm like... There's Am a lot I of about throwing... to watch a porno? No, there's a lot of throwing like... footballs around. Like there's, and if you didn't already ask that question with like the first <laughs> eight minutes are just like weird sexy. But see, that was different. This one is like, okay, you have random people that are getting together in a room and have no reason to be there and have really stilted dialogue. And Ian, I was like, Ian, mm. that's this entire movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. That's a very fair point. Anyway, anyway, um, we get a couple scenes where it's like the mom comes in mad that Johnny won't help with a down payment for, for one of her, her friends. friends. So I'm like, I'm okay, like, why, that's interesting. Why should your daughter's fiance be helping with your friend's down payment? I mean, obviously it's cause he's a generous, good person and women are just gold diggers. That's how Claudette just, and her daughter, Lisa are. I guess. So I don't know. Can we really blame Lisa? She clearly like learned it, this behavior. From it was her. nurturing. But also at this point we have Lisa telling Claudette about Mark. And then immediately saying, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love Lisa. Oh, my gosh. And the framing, again, is so horrible. I love it. It's like, okay, so, again, concept of, like, the hot spot where you divide the frame into thirds Mm -hmm. both ways. And, like, if you put them at the intersection of those dividing lines, like, that generally is what feels comfortable, makes, like, a very basic 
well composed like again that is like framing 101 <laughs> and they always put them a little bit in I to the middle of the frame i think it's because you had the two cameras so you can't actually really line them up properly <laughs> i you know i think that's it why. would make a lot of sense but now we get peter and this is where i saw some well, really great oh before sorry, that yeah. we have the very important plot point of while lisa and claudette are talking Johnny is hiding on the stairs. Oh, oh yes, and he right. overhears all of this because those stairs are real good camouflage. Oh, so good. He He's says, like a vampire. I will show them. I will okay. record everything. Interesting that you say <sighs> this scene with oh, the recorder. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I got Shakespeare vibes from that bit because I was like, because we had just watched Hamlet, and I was yeah. like, that's the thing a Shakespearean character would do: be like, I'm going to do this play to catch the king. What is it? It's like the. The oh, something yeah, within the yeah. play the play in the play to catch the king like who there's a line there's like a little couplet that he says about it and i don't remember the actual line but anyway that just made me think of that and being like <laughs> i'll record everything interesting you said that he was a vampire because so the movie the disaster <laughs> oh. artist is based on a book that greg sestero who played mark wrote called the disaster artist and it's a little bit more like fictionalized and everything but in that book where he's like talking about the making of the room, he says that Tommy like wanted this reveal at the end that like Johnny was a vampire because he was obsessed with vampires and had even asked the crew to like find a way to make Johnny's car fly off at the end, which in my mind is like a la Grease, but like I guess in a vampiric fashion. Oh my goodness. So interesting. So much makes more sense now. That. His look is very vampiric. It is very vampiric. I'm glad they didn't do that though. I am glad too, but at the same time, I'm also like, can we at some point get a Tommy vampire film? Because I would watch that film. I would also watch that film. <laughs> Actually, um, you should check out, he just released a new trailer for his new film called Big Shark. <sighs> Big Shark? Yes. We're, we're watching this immediately shark, after we're do, done do, recording. Do, 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 do. Baby shark. <laughs> Sorry. That is not the score. I will riot. <laughs> um, oh, so where were we? This movie gets me so it's confused. Fine. We've introduced Peter, who's like um, the friend oh, yeah. of psychology. And this is where I actually appreciated some of the lighting that they were doing. So, again, they composed these shots where, again, very traditionally, the person standing should have, like, the control of the scene and the lines and what they're doing. And then the person sitting is supposed to be kind of listening and interacting, but they're not in the position of power. So this is a very... Peter, I actually thought, did a nice job. Yeah. But that composition and directing choice with actors is a very common thing you'll see in, like, stage plays so that we know who to focus on. So, but again... They cut off Johnny's legs at the worst possible point. So it just looks like he's kind of sitting on nothing in the room. So again, perfect worst choice ever. And they decided to put this really harsh, cold light onto Peter's face. And I'm like, this, he looks like ghost light. I well, love it. It means he's, it's because he's like scientific and logical. Ian. He's I mean, you saw those Harry Potter glasses. Yeah. But um, basically, Johnny's like, I think Lisa's cheating on me. And Peter's like, what, Lisa? No. And then he's like, well, you know, bad things happen in life. And you just got to, like, get through it. And I'm like, I hope that's not what you tell your patients. Because <laughs> I don't know how effective that would be. No. I also love how Mark and Peter just, like, hightail it out as soon as Lisa gets in. <laughs> they're like, they're both like, this is awkward for so many yeah. reasons. We're leaving. And that's kind of what I wanted to do during some of those scenes, too. Um <laughs> <laughs> We do get some information, and I think it's one of the few, like, redeeming pieces of Lisa we actually hear is Johnny tells uh, Mark and Peter about how they met. Oh, yeah. And it was the only interesting part is Lisa paid on the first date. 
Yeah, because he didn't have a lot of money because yeah. of the whole like weird out of state check story, which again, that is one of those moments where I was like, there is so much unneeded detail in this. It was like they only put in the detail you like you wanted for actual plot and character development into stuff that had nothing to do with the core plot or characters. Also But you're right, that is like we I don't know, it gives you the impression that like maybe they had a good relationship at, at one some point. point. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's as good as the relationship she has with Mark, like, was it ever really that good? I mean, it sounds like <laughs> it was, like, a decent relationship. And then just over the years, maybe it's that lack of communication and never wanting to talk about stuff that you've now started talking about. Oh, my goodness. That has, like, hurt them. And, like, Johnny's, you know, banking job maybe has gotten in their way. And, like, Lisa's stressed out because computers is too competitive. And, like, I think, you know, this is really more a commentary on how, like, your relationships can really go downhill because you're not putting in like the time and the communication because the rest of life just gets in the way. And as the psychologist Peter says, you just have to deal with it. Relationships, a thesis by Maggie. Centered on the room. <laughs> so not only do we have relationships, we also have friendship. So that's two now. Told you. It's a character study. <laughs> um, so there's a lot that then happens before like any more major things go down. Like uh, a lot of jogging in the park. Yeah, Mark almost everyone's in tuxes for some reason. I think that's for wedding photos, maybe. Because you take wedding photos the wedding, before the wedding, a month before the wedding. Yeah, and she doesn't have her dress yet. Maybe it's fitting. Which and I don't know. I understand to be something that would be extremely stressful within a month. Well, it's to go how to we, a wedding. It's how but, we know that she's not so keen on marrying Johnny anymore, Ian. It's not the rampant cheating and two-facedness. It's the fact she doesn't have a wedding dress. Yeah, I was confused up until the wedding dress line. And then I was like, oh, now I understand. I'm glad that clarified it for Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but there, uh, Mark almost pushes Peter off the roof because Peter like confronts him about the cheating. They're playing football and Peter trips in kind of a dramatic moment. And then it's like, I don't want to play anymore. I don't blame him. I am Peter. <laughs> you, Ian's like I was bad at this or I fell like I don't want to do this anymore and I'm like suck it up you only have one broken foot you got another one that's good let's go that is that is more true than I would like to admit do you want to talk about the party now I think yeah, we can move, I on, think to we can move on to the party there's there's Skipping like the diner scene oh yeah oh is there more to the diner scene I'm always well, just not, hung not up really. on how many orders <laughs> we have to sit through well, well love... it's any, anyway how is your sex life <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. I totally forgot that line. Oh, yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. How is your sex life? <laughs> and then, of course, Mark can't talk about it. No, of course. We can't talk about it. Well, <laughs> to be fair, it's an awkward situation. Oh, what he do does they... talk about, though, how, how he like has a girl and she's married and all this stuff. And they're like, who is she? Do we know her? And he's No, you like, don't know her. But no. what's the line that he uses to say, like, it's a difficult situation or an awkward? There's, like, one line that he uses over and over and over again. But yeah, how's your sex life? Another golden line from this movie. Um, so, well, and then we get sex scene number four. Oh, oh this is yeah. the one that took me by surprise because I didn't remember. And I it. love how they couldn't undress themselves in it. It was it was so great. It's like I can't get my shirt off. I'm like, oh, that, that's me sometimes. Is this the one where they also like have trouble getting their shirts back on? And Lisa's like, get your shirt on. I have to open the door. And then like and then opens she just the door opens before. It and it's Michelle. And Michelle's just like, oh, look at you two. <laughs> you two are too earlier. much. Oh, my God, Michelle. Bless your heart. You tried. Um, so the have, surprise the party scene. Party, yeah. One most tone deaf happy birthday I've ever heard. Do we listen? We get to hear the whole thing. The whole too, right? thing. The whole so they paid for that shit. 
Oh yeah, I forgot oh, yeah. that Happy Birthday is TM. It, it was really off tune. Like everyone singing <laughs> was on a different key. I have to say though, <laughs> points for realism. Like I have no, like you because they also don't. You've like, never clearly... heard my family sing Happy Birthday, have you? There are harmonies and shit. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Oh my! But they, it's also like the awkward point where like no one quite knows who's gonna start it, so someone has to take the plunge and be like, "Happy!" Like, come on! And so, oh, yeah, so it was the most realistic happy birthday I've ever seen in a film. But I do love how Lisa is like controlling the inside outside thing, and then is so bold as to cuddle with Mark on the couch while everybody's at their house. And the, this random dude, who is the dude that walks in on them? Okay, so there's a reason for this, Brian. Do you know the story? Because I was gonna say, if so, you you can take it. Um, the it was supposed to be Peter, but the actor who was playing Peter was like, okay, but I'm only available for this amount of time, and production went over, so he was like, yeah, I'm not available anymore because I'm on this other project. So they just like gave the line to this random guy. So it's supposed to be Peter who comes in and catches them, which would be like, which would actually like work within the narrative of the film and like the shreds of plot that we and character that we have set up but because that actor was not available it's just this random guy who comes in so indignantly and is like what are you two doing oh i love that so there there is one uh there is basically an extra name on the cast list so i believe this guy's name is steven oh they picked such generic white people names which is honestly fine like I mean, you don't need to get too fancy with it yeah you don't it just is amazing didn't need to be <laughs> lord realistic. of the rings yeah <laughs> Stephen, Chris R. <laughs> is there a second Chris that we didn't know about that's no, on the cast list? Not on the cast no, list. Just, his name is Chris R. But it's spelled like Chris Dash R. His parents hated him. <laughs> Are you and sure? That's why he grew why up to, to be a drug dealer. Exactly. Oh he had to God. turn to Are a life you sure of it crime. Wasn't Chris Dasher. No, because they repeatedly mm. are like, Chris R, Chris R. <laughs> oh, the gems that I didn't know. This is so great. Yeah. So they finally go outside, and this is when you have the intervention scene by Stephen, as we now know. And Michelle. Which they're trying so hard. And, you know, Lisa's just being a jerk and like, I'm going to do what I want. Well, it's all about number and one. Then here's the bit where Johnny's like, we're expecting everybody. And they're like, and Mark's like, okay, whose baby is it? And she's like, there is no baby. I just said that to make things interesting. And you're like, was it not interesting enough for you? And also, who the fuck does that? Again, this is effective characterization to show how evil Lisa is. Maggie, this is not something you would pull. You're evil too. I don't think Lisa understands pregnancy or like babies because she's like, well, we would have had a kid eventually, which it's like that they're still going to notice if like in nine months there's no kid like that. That's not how that works. Lisa has a long gestational period. Also, apparently, I mean, I don't think anyone (laughs) in this film is human. So maybe whatever alien race she is does. But there's also, like, that line also insinuates that you're still planning on marrying Johnny, even though you've repeatedly said that you're leaving Johnny for Mark because you don't love him anymore. So I don't understand why we're continuing the charade. Of course you would say charade. I had to. It felt appropriate for this. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting. And then we get a couple fights between this Mark. Is, this is our action scenes. <laughs> so just, action like, grabbing filled. each other's forearms. And, and then like, we get the really I kill wrestling. you line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great and like yeah it was it was interesting i don't know 
I have no more to say on that scene unless, yeah. I mean, this is just where it comes out that like the affairs happening and. And we know. And then Johnny's holed up in the bathroom after the party. Mm -hmm. Apparently Claudette has cleaned up for Lisa because Claudette takes care of her own. Claudette seems like one of the, like one of those moms that's like, I did this thing for you. Why aren't you thanking me? And then Lisa's like, I didn't ask you to, but okay. I don't know. I want a, I want a movie about their relationship because, like, honestly, that is the most nuanced and interesting relationship in the entire movie. Which is to say, and I don't think it was intended to be so. Like, it's just like Claudette something came that in happened. like a wrecking ball. There is no subtlety in this. <laughs> no, but like, it's. I don't know. That is the relationship. Like I said, that I find the most interesting. Yeah, there was some cool lighting in the scene in the bathroom slash not in the bathroom upstairs, though. So like. Again, there are like a couple moments where I was like, okay, I I appreciate the fact you tried and it 10% worked, um, <laughs> which, you know, sometimes that's an A, um, A plus, <laughs> sometimes it's not, uh, but depending anyway, on your curve. Exactly. <laughs> but there was some like great sh- like scenes where Mark throws the tape player and it just like kind of bounces off the wall instead of smashing <laughs> Which I'm like, oh, that could have been so much more dramatic. But this is where Johnny finally comes out of the bathroom. Lisa's called Mark and been like, I'm leaving him for you. He's such a big baby. And Mark's like, I want your body. (laughs) Why don't you ditch this creep? I don't like him anymore. I don't like him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Which we get to hear that a second time when Johnny plays the tape. Yeah, because Johnny comes out of the bathroom and is like, what were you saying? Who are you talking to? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. And he's like, I can no anyway reveals massive tape recorder. Which question? Were tape recorders still a thing in 2003? They no. were for Johnny. I mean, you saw how much trouble he had setting it up. Obviously, he's not on with the curve of technology, <laughs> even though he's in computers. But that's another reason that I always think this movie is was made in the 90s. And then I'm always like, oh, damn, 2003. I forgot. I'm trying to remember when my family got a non-tape I mean, you just have, you have Lord of the Rings winning awards for like all of these technical achievements and yeah. then Johnny's still using a tape player. Like Get, it doesn't feel I mean, right. Given the long journey the script went through, it's very likely it was written in like the 90s. That's a good point. And then that it wasn't, wouldn't have been updated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. of course it wouldn't be. Yeah. I love it. When honestly, I feel it's like recording capsule. on a CD would have been so much more cumbersome anyway. So you might. Have I also don't think they ever had. Could you ever do that? A straight recording? I don't think that was ever a thing. Yeah. I mean, it maybe like a really some chunky like mini laptop. Like when those really chunky early. Yeah. Like, I think it's like the <laughs> like, mini tapes now. Uh, I don't Apple know. computers. <laughs> oh my Let God. me just I just have random Apple computers sitting out around my home. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore them. Um, but then we get the crowning achievement of Tommy's performance, his descent into madness and suicide. Okay. Him destroying the apartment. There is actually a shot in this movie that I love and it happens during this scene. So he's going through the apartment and he's just destroying everything. And he picks up the television and throws it out a window. And we get this shot of just like the ground in a brick wall and the television falls into frame in like, not like true slow mo, but like definitely like reduced they speed. They filmed it at normal frame rate. And then rates. it definitely like reduced yeah. the speed, and we get to see it crash. And I don't know why, but I love that shot. <laughs> I think it's because it's, a really it's so cool, extra. Really good shot, and they, but they frame it well. Like it works. I'm here for it. I, I was just curious of so that that was a big TV. It was a like 
32, 36 inch CRT. I had to go. Yeah. I, I I was like, how much those do those are weigh? Heavy. How much do those actually weigh? <laughs> Something that size is 100, 150 pounds. He lifted it like zero effort over his head and like chucked it well, out he the window. Is a vampire, so. Also, you didn't see how, like, ripped he was in the shirts off scenes. And the butt scenes. (laughs) All his weirdly distributed lumpy muscles. (laughs) Oh, my God. I just. I I don't know why, though, but I really love that shot. Hey, I'm okay with it. Maybe that needs to become, maybe the still of that, like, broken television on the ground needs to become my new profile picture. I don't know. We'll think about it. I like it a lot. You'll be like, Johnny threw me out a window and now I'm broken. Yeah. Because I was evil. Let, let me give my thesis on this movie at this oh, point. I love it. Because this is Johnny believes in people and mm-hmm. not the world. And so people have betrayed him. Mark, Lisa, they've betrayed him. As in his words, you betrayed me. I, I gave you seven years of my life. And I thought they were only together for five years. No, they say seven. He says they seven. say five at an earlier point. But didn't point? Claudette say five? It's possible. Johnny says seven. Okay. So does Lisa. Johnny's delusional, like, but it's fine. Because then, well, no, because then Lisa's like, I put up with you for seven years. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so he lost people. He's he's lost his faith in the world, and so he goes about destroying his apartment. And the red dress, he tears it apart, just like Lisa tore him apart after yeah. humping it a little. Yes. yes. <laughs> was kind of weird (laughs) yeah hey no johnny's never cared you know johnny's never cared about things in the world he's he's always valued his friends and he's Mm -hmm. lost that and that that's really what drives his descent into madness right and so then he gets the gun that i am assuming is the one he took from chris r is it or is it a different one Uh, it's probably the same they didn't have budget for a second prop okay except Um, they probably did (laughs) but and then johnny commits suicide in a slow motion shot Mm mm-hmm emphasis yeah emphasis and then we fade to black and honestly i could have like i kind of wish the film had ended there it would have been extra effective i think i think it would have worked i think you could have just like that fade to black because then you're just like huh and i'm here for it but instead we have mark and lisa rush into the room and there's a lot of very bad fake blood everywhere yeah oh yeah that yeah but then they let Denny alone with him, and I'm like, this is weird. Well, but then first they're they sobbing back. over yeah. them, and Lisa's like, is he dead, Mark? Is he dead? And it's oh like, my God. well, probably. And Mark kisses him on the forehead. It, yep. Yes, it's very weird. And it says, you don't have me. You'll never have me. Because and she's like, we so can be together. Lisa and Mark are over. Because it's all Lisa's fault, and Mark had absolutely no part in that affair and did not do anything wrong. It was just Lisa being manipulative. Like, he didn't Obviously. want to betray his best friend johnny and like have an affair with johnny's future wife but because of lisa's manipulative evilness he did he had to oh my gosh it was the thing that was done to him and not something he actively participated in despite what the rest of the film would have led us to believe and then we're left with johnny's only true friend left in the world denny the only person denny's the only one that legitimately cared about johnny which is the true tragedy of this film because now denny who it was established had no one really because he was an Mm -hmm. orphan and johnny was the one taking care of him and paying for his school now what happens to denny is denny gonna have to turn back to chris r to get more drugs no chris r is in jail remember well according to denny but i don't think denny understands the justice system but on that (laughs) note i mean so johnny when when they took chris r away Johnny and Mark took him away. They were back like 30 seconds later. Also, also Johnny they have has... really fast police whoa, whoa, whoa. response Also, times. Johnny has Chris R's gun. Did Johnny and Mark kill, kill Chris R? Ooh. I, well, honestly, Johnny probably ate Chris R, sucked his blood. 
Um, so I don't know, but I did actually. Was it Chris R's gun that Johnny shot himself with? I think maybe. I think so. Oh, so Denny is the cause of the downfall of. (gasps) So it's actually not Lisa and It's Denny's fault. Like Lisa and Mark provided the motivation, but Denny's the one who provided the the gun. So, and again, you know, we put a gun on the wall. We had to shoot it. They follow Chekhov's law. Hey, can't argue with that. (laughs) In this scene too, I did actually like the music. And some of the dress ripping that you mentioned, Brian, like the, there was like piano descending lines and the, th- the thing that like matched up with the ripping and everything. So, again, the score was kind of a bright spot in this movie. Yeah, it really was. I also, um, the end, there's all this overlay of like, I guess what's supposed to be paramedics talking and sirens. I had never noticed that ever. Really? And I've seen this movie multiple times. Well, I mean, by I the end of the movie, the you're usually like almost asleep. That's that's fair because it's usually <laughs> late at night. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, that lingering shot on him at the end, sort of like the shots at the very beginning, were too short. Like I mentioned, this one was way too long. Yeah. <laughs> so they took it from there and put it at the end. Yeah. So that is, I don't know. That is the room. I think mm-hmm. the thing that I find so fascinating and love so much about this movie is like. Not only the fact that the entire time you're just being like, why? Why would you make that choice? Why would you do that? Why do you have decor that's just spoons? Like, I don't. Why? (laughs) Like, there's that bit to it. But also, like, there's something to be said. We were talking about, like, the DIY nature of it a little bit earlier. There's something to be said for seeing someone who was clearly so passionate about a project and so badly wanted to create something artistic. And, like, and, like, seeing somebody, even if they didn't execute well on like that dream and passion Mm -hmm. like they still did it like he still made a movie and like got the creative control he wanted over it like it's i think there there's still something like to that that like i really love and like the idea of like somebody being like i want to do this thing and i have these artistic like aspirations and doing it even if it's not good like you still did it which is most or which is more than like so many other people there was there's a general plot of a legitimate movie here yeah just executed confusingly yes when i'm actually gonna recommend so i don't know if we've brought up this podcast on our podcast before but there's a podcast called movie maintenance and i don't think they're doing new episodes anymore but it's a really good podcast um if you're a movie fan and what they do is they'll like look at movies that are flawed and be like this is how i would change it to be a good movie and there is an episode that they do on the room that is really really good how did i not know this i told you about this when it dropped you just didn't listen damn it but it is really good and they actually like go through the room and they are like here's what the core plot and themes are this is how you could actually execute this in like a really good way yeah so i would highly recommend people who are fans of the room like listening to that episode it's really good they also have really good episodes on like the ring the most recent ring and Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh it's also really good. <laughs> so we love them. Yeah, we wish they were. It's still a good podcast, episodes. but partic- particularly <laughs> for this film, that one's that one's relevant. But yeah, I um do recommend that people watch this film. I'm gonna recommend you watch it though with like some close friends after a couple yes. drinks. Yes, that enhances the experience. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, any closing thoughts? Nothing other than I love this movie. And for all its flaws, and I wholeheartedly recommended it to everyone. Yeah. Awesome. In, literally. In, under I, the right circumstances. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I think literally our entire 
like friend group has watched it because of you. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Sharing this cinematic gem. <laughs> and I'm I'm always I'm always delighted um to find someone that has already seen it and I try to introduce it to them. <laughs> I think since the disaster artist came out, um, that's a little harder to do. Yeah, yeah. it's more well known. It, well, yeah, it's a little more well known, but it, it's just such a fun experience to it watch. Yeah. And it's kind of become popular so it did not do well at the time obviously it had a very limited release and very limited run but through like word of mouth people started going to see it a little bit to like kind of make fun of it Mm -hmm. and it sort of developed this like cult following particularly among like the midnight movie circuit very similar to rocky horror yes where people like have things that they do like as the they watch the movie like throwing spoons at the screen and like stuff like that. We need to find a showing here in Atlanta Um, and go. There There are some. The plaza will do it every now and then. So we'll need to keep an eye out and go. One of my coworkers, old coworkers has done it before. And I think that was the first time she saw it too. Cause I had talked about (laughs) it. I had talked about it and she was like, Oh, I want to go see it. And then she like went to a midnight showing. She was like, it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced. And it was so much fun. I think that wraps it up for our, our special like anniversary episode. Best pictures podcast is Mm -hmm. a year old. I know. I'm happy to partake in your anniversary episode. (laughs) This is great. So yeah. So um, I guess if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on twitter and instagram we are at best pictures pod um you can also email us in at best pictures podcast at gmail.com if you have like more long form comments so yeah so i think after this we're uh we'll be back with our best pictures thing uh and with all the king's men so thanks again brian for joining us and thank you all for listening see you next time